Jake Paul, if he wanted to get respect from these fighters, you would think he would have to go the old school route. But at the same time, why would Jake Paul be incentivized to do that when he brings so much marketing to the table? Who would be a good matchup for Jake Paul so where people would actually respect him, but also where Jake Paul's not putting this no name on the map just because Jake Paul fought him? relentless we're coming to a close in january uh so for all you guys who are like yo why didn't you post an episode last week there's a very good explanation for that and i actually looked back at the footage from the podcast that did not get posted and i am so happy we did not post it uh, because uh last friday i sat down to record a podcast with a guy who i will have on a future episode his name is ed ray and Ed is like, he's like a child prodigy copywriter um, for a lot of the top movers and shakers in the, um, let's just call it online entrepreneurship space. And he's like 20, 19, 20 years old ish. And we were talking on the phone the other night, just catching up. And I, I, I have a very uh, broad history with Ed Ray. Um, a lot of people, if you, if you know who Ed is, then it'll, a lot of people, I actually, I, I'm assuming most people listening to this probably don't know who Ed is, but you will when we have him on a future episode. Well, anyways, he was one of the first people I ever pitched, uh, on my dating coach services. Like right when I dropped out of dental school, he was on my, he was one of the like 40 people on my email list. And he was a guy who, um, uh, uh, who was like 15 at the time, 14, 15 years old. And he wanted help talking to girls and just being more popular or whatever. And so he applied for coaching and I got on the sales call with this kid and I didn't know what I was doing. I had literally just started in business. I didn't know how to, how to sell my services. I didn't know how to do any of this. Um, so that's kind of where me and Ed start is I was trying to pitch this 15 year old kid <laughs> on dating coaching. Um, but anyways, it's been crazy to see how, where he's come in the last five years. And so we were catching up up on the phone FaceTime uh, a couple weeks ago and I was like yo you should come on my podcast and he's like yo I'm so down I would love to be on your podcast I said all right perfect what if we took it one step further and he was like what do you got in mind and the, I got this idea I got a preface I got this idea because he lives in Canada and apparently in Canada marijuana and psilocybin psychedelic mushrooms are things that are not only legal but you can get them uh, you just order them online and get free two-day shipping. It's like Amazon fucking Prime over here, and you choose whatever you want. And he just showed me this whole box of fucking mushrooms he has that he bought online legally, and it has, like, the branding and the logos and whatnot. I was like, yo, what if we took some mushrooms about 30 minutes before we hit record? And we fucking just went. And uh, he was like, dude, I'm so down. So it's Friday. And we're about to get on the podcast. I just picked up from my my mushroom dude. Um, let's call him Mario because Mario likes Mario. to eat those mushrooms. And uh, literally, we get on. Uh, we're about. We're, he's obviously remote, so we're basically on Zoom. And uh, we we pop the mushrooms, and we twenty minutes later we hit record. And then right when we're about to hit record, he goes, "Oh, by the way, can we not talk about the fact that we're on mushrooms?" And I'm like already starting to trip, <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay, so we can't talk about the one thing that is the only thing I'm thinking about right this second." <laughs> and so it was just it was 20 minutes of forced conversation that led nowhere, and he was eventually just like, "Yo, can we just like recap and do this uh, again when we're both sober?" I was like, 
bet because <laughs> this was <laughs> terrible. And so, uh, uh, so I texted Chris right in deep into my fucking mushroom trip. And I was like, yo, Chris, you down to film a podcast? I'll be on shrooms, but we can just power through. And three or four takes in, um, I kept losing my train of thought. I kept, um, and, and again, I think it, again, it was just the mushrooms. Um, but it just wasn't quite postable in my opinion. Uh, and so I would look back at the footage for the first time, like two days ago, and I'm so happy I did not post that because any person who watched that podcast would have known something's off with Patrick. Is he like tweaking on something right now? Like that bad, that obvious. Did you, you were sitting right there. I felt like, I felt like you weren't. You know, you weren't tweaking or anything. If more felt like just like the conversation would go one way, it would we'd go conversation and then you'd stop and just kind of like overthink it. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is mushrooms. It's it's to to be in a talkative mood for anybody who's never done mushrooms or any psychedelics before. To be in a talkative mood is the exact opposite of what a high dose of mushrooms is. So I took four grams of mushrooms Agreed. that day, and so all you want to do when you take mushrooms is kind of sit. And, and like tequila, I'm very talkative. Marijuana, I'm very talkative. The one thing that can shut this motherfucker up is psychedelic mushrooms. And I just did not, I, the words were not there. You know, I can, I, it made me feel like back in the day when I was struggling to talk about what to talk about next with, with women on dates and whatnot. And obviously I make that analogy to any guys who follow raw dating advice, which by the way is now a podcast, just like the raw and relentless podcast, which, um, side note, now, if you think about like kind of how we're, you know, how this feels fits in the bigger vision, what we've talked about building from the very beginning is Ron Relentless. I can talk about literally anything, whether it's with Chris. I think Chris is a good regular kind of co-host to have on here, color commentator. Um, but then also um, having those guests that are not dating specific into a lot of areas that interest me. I, I am one who goes, loves to go down rabbit holes on the internet. Um, uh, specifically one that I went down uh, that we'll get into here in a second. Um, Amanda Knox is one of those podcasts. I want to talk about that here in a second. But let's finish this loop. Ron Relentless is now the weekend podcast, kind of officially, unofficially. And so um, uh, Ron Relentless, sit back, relax, and enjoy yourself some r r on this wonderful Saturday fucking morning, afternoon, noon, <laughs> Arizona time, which... I feel like what better time to sit back, relax, and enjoy yourself some R and R than a rainy day in Arizona like today. That's you know what I'm true. saying? I feel like it's rare out here in Arizona the rain. Yeah, which is nice. Yeah. So, was there any loops that I forgot to close before we move on to Amanda Knox? Nah, you hit you hit all of them. Okay. I think we're already starting off way better than the last time. Oh, dude, last week. <laughs> well, I'm not. A, I've had about a week to get the mushrooms out of my system. <laughs> um, but, dude, uh, uh, Amanda Knox. So I I basically texted. Chris, so this is very interesting because um, it, you might not be able to tell right now because right now I'm actually talking like normal and it feels great, but I've also been chugging down some coffee, some warm coffee right now, um, so I'm feeling better, but I've like had flu-like symptoms for the past two days, and it's kind of weird. I'll, I'll notice literally every year around February, uh, January, February, I get sick. Um, last year, Right around February, I got sick for one day where I just had to lay in bed for an entire day. And I feel like a lot of people relate to that because right around March is when COVID started getting big and everybody was like, oh, I'm pretty sure I had it. I'm pretty sure I had it. And I thought the same thing. I was like, I'm pretty sure I had it because I got really sick for one day and then I was over it. Um, so this happened last year. The year before, I had 105 degree fever for like five days straight. 
um, because I was traveling like three or four weeks in a row, going to events, 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 work, work, work. Um, so it's become an annual thing around this time. So I'm not surprised, but two days ago I got pretty sick. And even before this, before we started recording, I was like, Chris, I don't know if I have enough energy to do this. And he's like, fuck it. We didn't get one out last week. We got to do it. I said, all right, I'm just going to point my mouth away from you so you don't catch whatever <laughs> I have. Um, but uh, maybe it also is just a little bit of just being overworked. I, we've been hustling a lot lately. And um, this month, it actually panned out really well for a new program that we launched on Raw Dating Advice, which is now, I would say the... I wouldn't say necessarily the the high the best selling, but the highest grossing in one launch. I would say, which is which is a milestone, which I, I'm happy to feel great about for the month. But it, it was a lot of work going into it. Yeah, one of many to come. One of many to come. Yeah, uh, my 100%. goal is to have one um, badass program launch every month this year. Um, and so next month we're kind of working on what it is going to be next month. But uh, a lot to look forward to on the raw dating advice side of things. Uh, however. Uh, two days ago, I was in bed, felt completely normal. We had just gotten done. Um, my throat started hurting a little bit, like a couple, like three days ago. And we filmed the Raw Dating Advice Episode Six podcast, uh, and my throat started to hurt. So I kind of just took it easy the rest of the night. And then I went to bed, and I kept tossing and turning all night. And I was having nightmares and whatnot. And the nightmare. I think it was based off of something I told Chris before we hit record on the Raw Dating Advice podcast, which is like my neighbors. So I've lived in this place for three or four years now, and we're about to move out uh, in like two months. So this whole studio is going to change completely because I don't even know where I'm moving yet. Um, but we're, we're hopefully upgrading to a better place. I don't like to like make lateral moves in my life. You know, I like to make forward moves, you know, uh, ascend. Um, so anyways, right as I'm about to move out, um, uh, a new neighbor moves in across the hall diagonal. And then a new neighbor moves in right here, right next to us. And both new neighbors are just fucking banging chicks, bro. And I get like, you know how that Chris, you ever have that moment where you're like, maybe you're in a, in a hallway or on an elevator and you can feel like the other person wants you to say something or they want to say something you can just feel that tension but because you don't know each other because it's an elevator you just kind of stand there silently do you ever get that yeah <laughs> i've gotten that from both of these chicks the one time i've run into them and ironically both times is on the elevator and one of them actually was just like after i got off the elevator she's like okay you have a good good day and i was like bro like if i was single you don't even fucking know um, but i'm happily not single so stay away fucking fucking temptations over here that was that was the whole purpose of that was just stay away from patrick yeah stay away <laughs> uh you can't have this cannot touch off the market um so uh i was i think i was thinking about that as i went to bed that night and the reason why i started thinking about this is because uh a couple couple years ago actually i went down the rabbit hole of amanda knox now if you don't know who amanda knox is she's this very charismatic woman who uh, is a very attractive woman who happens to be around the same age as me and in around maybe a couple years older than me and around uh, maybe uh, 2000, I'm kind of guessing on the dates here, but it's like early to mid uh, 2010s or whatever you want to call that decade. So it's like 2004, 2005-ish. She went on as a foreign exchange student to, I believe it was Italy, and she got paired up with another foreign exchange student from Britain um, and it's two females living in this this like cottage together as foreign exchange students. Um, well, anyways, Amanda Knox, the American, the the British girl, 
uh, both of them are very attractive, honestly. Well, one day, um, the cops get called by Amanda Knox. They say, oh, shit, my fucking roommate was murdered. Come. They come, and the whole fucking place is just covered in blood, and this British girl is brutally fucking murdered with a Jesus. knife. It's, it's sounding a lot like Dexter. You ever watch that show? <laughs> well, Dexter doesn't leave messes, bro. Well, I know, but just like how whenever he's on the scene, he's just like. Yeah. Well, so it's a it's a big case, and I, I don't want to do it any disservice by by going into it and paraphrasing a lot. I, I would actually be interested to dedicate a whole episode to going through the case and coming to our own conclusions. So uh, look forward to that. Maybe even next fucking week now that we're on it, you know. Um, yeah. There's a lot of interesting guests, by the way, that we have coming on. Um, right now, me and Chris have made the decision to rather than kind of just like, because I was like, I want to interview people on experts on creativity. I want to interview experts on this. I want to view it. And then we had a whole list of people, and it's kind of like the paradox of choices. Like, okay, where do we fucking start um, on reaching out to these people? And so we said, you know what? We've been going down the UFO rabbit hole so much. Why don't we just fucking own it and go all in on the UFOs? And obviously, Stacy Wright was the f- one of the first um, extensions of that. And we also had Scott Walter on, uh, host of American Earth. Well, anyways, we got two or three guests lined up for the next few months that, oh my God, this is going to fucking blow your mind, bro. 100%, dude. <laughs> um, one of them is an expert on portal events and also studies Blind Frog Ranch and uh skinwalker ranch and he's coming on in the next uh couple weeks as well so anyways i don't want to get too far off of the amanda knox thing in my dream that night i kept tossing and turning because i dreamt that amanda knox moved next door an attractive girl who's my age who um long story short she was in jail for like several years in italy because they were like yo these stories are adding up. You and your boyfriend look like you're happy that (laughs) like they were just standing there nonchalant while the police were doing their shit. And so the police started to suspect them and the Italians police, um, the here's where it kind of gets gray is we don't know their interrogation. Um, if they were necessarily interrogating Amanda and her boyfriend who helped report the thing, we don't know if they were, doing it by the best practices from all accounts. And even from Amanda's account, they were trying to force a confession out of them and they did it by basically doing all the fucking good cop, bad cop stuff. Uh, you know, keeping them in the same room for days at a time with no food and water, things like this to force a confession out of these people, you know? And so they forced a confession or they kind of like got enough to where originally they got convicted for the murders. They got put in jail and then they appealed it, and then the appeal um, found them not guilty. And then they appealed that, uh, and so she came back to America. Then they appealed that, and they found them guilty again. And so they wanted her to go back to Italy to go to jail. And she said, fuck you guys, I'm not doing it. But then another guy, one of the other people, I think, went to jail because they, they appealed the appeal, and they found him guilty again. And now I think she's officially not guilty. But when I've looked into the, the cases, the documentaries, whatnot, I get the fucking vibe that she's guilty as shit, you know? And so in my dream, I kept dreaming that she was chasing me around this fucking apartment building, walking into my fucking apartment, and I could see that she was concealing a knife in my dream. And I kept tossing and turning. Long story short, next day I wake up and I'm full-blown just sick, you know? And then so uh, yesterday I was in bed all day, and then today I'm still trying to recover. But, man, maybe it's the Amanda Knox shit that really just, like, set it off and made me just, like, go... sick. I don't know. <laughs> Dude, that's crazy. I feel like every single time you have, like, you you tend to have crazy dreams. You know, one with the Amanda Knox and then the, the shadow person when you got the Ouija board. 
Did we talk about that? No, I don't think we talked about it, bro. You need to bring it up. Let let the people know. (laughs) All right. So literally, wow. (laughs) How how have we not talked about this? Um, Anyways, so obviously I've been to the paranormal stuff and Kate has a big family here. And so we spent Christmas with her family and her family. And again, I hate to do this to other people like her family was really talking up the gift that they were going to give me. They're like, oh, you can't wait. Like, you're just going to fucking love this gift that Josh, which is her like cousin slash brother because she was raised by her aunt and uncle. Um, Josh was like, he, they were like, yeah, we got you an amazing gift. You're going to fucking love it. It's going to be dope. You're going to it's going to be right up your alley. And I was thinking, what could they possibly get me? Because I don't even get this excited about material things that I get for myself, you know? And so I, I just hate to overhype get gifts. I like to undersell, over deliver kind of sometimes. Um, and so anyways, uh, I had no idea what they're going to get me. So I, Christmas morning, they hand me the box, the whole family staring at me. I unwrap it and it's a fucking Ouija board. <laughs> and I, in my head, I'm like, Oh, that is kind of a creative gift because it is kind of cool. But at the same time, I've always kind of shied away from Ouija boards. And even when I was a kid, I bought one that was glow in the dark from like a a, a store that like sells Toys R Us or something like that. Yeah, yeah, and that's where where they got some like this too. But this one wasn't glow in the dark. It was like the actual just Ouija board. Um, anyways, it was wrapped in like plastic wrappings. What do they call that? The just the plastic around the board, the board game or whatever. Um, and I just left it in the wrapper because he told me and he was this was vouched when they bought it and they were they put had it in the car and they were driving home. They saw an accident and just like weird shit was happening t- on the road to where they were like, oh, shit, this must be ju- the Ouija board. Right. Um, and I was like, OK, interesting. And I don't necessarily buy into the whole I, I personally even I'm starting to believe that Ouija boards aren't real. I don't think they necessarily work. I think it's all mental. Um, because when I had one as a kid, I never got it to work and I never saw it actually working alone, alone. Um, I, I, I tried it alone with other people in the room and it didn't really fucking work. And then I'd done it with other people and it didn't really fucking work. Um, and so I gave it away cause just in case I didn't want to have it, you know, stick with you. Yeah, exactly. And so I gave it away, but I've always been afraid of it. Like those old stories where you try to throw it away and then it, you go back to your place and it's sitting on the counter. Um, so anyways, I'm bringing it back to my place. Don't think about it. I put it on top of like this. I have kind of vaulted ceilings here. So I put it on top of a cabinet that's like nine feet tall or whatever. Um, just out of sight, out of mind. And I didn't have, I have no intention. I had no intention of using it. Right. And so I go to bed on December 25th, Christmas day. Um, and that night I have a dream. I'm sitting in this fucking room and it's a lucid dream. And I, I have a lot of just like interesting dreams, but this one felt real because I could I could see the lighting. The lighting looked very realistic. I was doing what I normally do in this room um, in my free time late at night, which is just like watch Netflix or watch an interesting documentary or something. And so in my dream, I was sitting here, but it felt real. I felt like I was awake. And then I started noticing parts of my dream that made it not feel real, that made it feel more like a dream. And I remember just like, I would go in and out of like being here in this room, being lucid to being in a dream type of state where it's clearly not real. But throughout this kind of just like jumping back and forth, I kept seeing like uh, at one point I looked out into the hallway in my apartment um, from this seat right here. And I saw like this this shadow person standing there in the corner by my door. And he was just standing there just staring at me. It was a shadow. And then in another part where it kind of felt like we were in a dream state, I saw like a shadow bulldog. It looked like a fucking bulldog and it was a shadow. It was black, right? And uh, 
Uh, and so I kind of started to get a little bit of anxiety whenever I would see it, but then I would forget about it and go back to the dream. Well, anyways, the dream ended where I was sitting in here, it was lucid. And then I look back into the hallway and now the bulldog is sitting next to the shadow man right there in the hallway. And it didn't look like a shadow this time. It looked like a person standing there wearing a full, like one of those green uh, screen, one of those green screen suits, like where they have it like all around them. Yeah. You can't see any like particular body part. Exactly. That's what it looks like, but it was black and he was just standing there. I could even see like the, the, his gut a little bit and he was just standing there breathing, just going, just staring at me. That and I got so freaked out that I tried to wake up because I realized it was a dream and I was like, yo, what the fuck? And so I try to wake up and now I'm back in my bed and my, I open my eyes and I roll over and the fucking shadow bulldog is sitting on top of me, staring at me. And then I realize, oh shit, I'm still dreaming. And then I finally wake up and I'm like, yo, I've never had a dream like that. I've talked about seeing a shadow person before, but I've never had an experience like that where it was a lucid dream. And I came to the conclusion laying there after I'd originally woke, after I finally woke up, that it must be the Ouija board because that didn't happen before the Ouija board was here. So I literally take the Ouija board. I walk it downstairs because I don't want to take the elevator at four in the morning. Uh, walk it downstairs, throw it in the dumpster. Haven't seen it since and haven't had any dreams like that since. Dude, that's really crazy. I really do. You really think uh, do you feel like part of it is mental and to where like you kind of hype up the story in your head and then just maybe subconsciously. I don't know, man. I, I have no idea. Uh, part of me felt like it was. Part of me feels like it was definitely not mental because I wasn't thinking about it uh, and I wasn't afraid of the Ouija board. Mm -hmm. I had only come to that conclusion after the dream and the dream stood out to me because it was so lucid compared to a lot of I've had. I don't have lucid dreams a lot, but this one was very realistic and it, it almost felt like him standing there by the door. And not coming any closer to me, but just staring at me in my dream was like him just trying to tempt me into opening up the Ouija board and trying it out, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's so fucking crazy. That would make a great uh, horror short. It, it would, <laughs> Dude, honestly. Because, like, the way you were describing him just, like, fucking snip, or you, you could just feel him just breathing, like... <sighs> Oh, I could see his gut. That's what I, it, he was standing there. He was wearing one of those full fucking sun, suits that was black, and I could see, like, the his gut. And he was just standing there just looking at me and just like breathing and just like staring. And it was, it was, it was trippy. It was fucking weird. And I don't want any of that fucking negative energy in my life, you know? And I feel like that, that's an interesting point as far as like the, the theory in my head has always been like, maybe what if, I don't know if you've heard people talk about how dreams is just really another dimension. Mm. And I wonder if like that has something, I don't know, some, in some way kind of connects to that to where he was able to. To, through the Ouija board kind of like connect or, you know, connect with you. I don't and know. It's not man. until you open it that, that I mean, you bring it into your life. I would be very interested into getting the opinion of other dimensions on some of these other guests that are coming up uh, that aren't necessarily UFO specific, but portals, dimensional yeah. things. And because I, I, I feel like dimensions is such a thing that how can I even possibly comprehend it past like height with depth and time you know those are like the dimensions know. everybody knows about um dimensions is just a whole other fucking realm where i your guess is as good as mine you know yeah and i feel like my head is always like spinning as like like you said like i can't picture it in my head so it makes it a lot harder to understand and grasp the concept yeah yeah for sure um 
Dude, so did you hear about the Logan Paul Floyd Mayweather fight kind of getting postponed? Yeah, it got postponed. People, uh, I know people, other people are saying canceled and whatnot. But one thing for sure is there is definitely, I know Logan said that there was hype for it, but. Uh, you don't think so? No. I mean, did, what, did you even uh, remember about like them fighting or do you feel like there was hype behind? I felt like the match? The, I didn't see a lot of hype behind it, but. Mm-hmm. I mean, so Logan Paul says on his podcast that it's a rumor that is false, that the postponing of it is due to lack of interest. But that's what I heard from Brian. But I'm pretty sure Brian saw the same headlines as everybody else. Um, And and honestly, I don't know. I haven't been following it that close. But if I had to guess, maybe it's just lack of interest on Floyd's part because it definitely seems like Logan is really excited and training hard for it at least from the outside looking in but yeah at the end of the day you're right i haven't seen a whole lot of promotional material around it and i even bought the fight already i bought it early bird pricing or whatever i hope it happens um and but at the end of the day like i think most people know that logan probably isn't gonna win but at the end of the day who it's knows? still fun to watch i feel like it's still like it's still gonna get you to watch you know at, at the at the least yeah kind of what we're talking about oh well we, well i mean i guess the audience didn't really see this last time, but we were talking about where like uh, Floyd is now, you know, essentially in a point of his career where he is the top and it's just like a, a, an everyday thing where he kind of wakes up, goes in the ring. It's like whatever about it, you know? Yeah. Kind of like one punch man. Yeah. Anime. Well, I tried to, I tried to explain this to you on mushrooms and so I'll try to explain it for these guys, but I saw a fight uh, that was, I think, within the last year. So it was less than one year ago. So during the quarantine, apparently Floyd was fighting Japanese or Chinese fighters uh, overseas. And uh, it's either Japan or China. Uh, I forget which one, but I watched one of these full fights and it was an arena. It was full of people. And it was just like, it was crazy to me because there was obviously like, you know, the walkout is like this big thing in fights. And this Asian guy who had like bleached hair, the sides of his head were shaved. He kind of had a little mohawk looking thing. And I just assume, hey, this is like their best shot. And they're like, we're going to take down the number one boxer in the world, Floyd Mayweather. And then you look at Floyd and they're kind of announcing the fighters right before they they go for round one. And Floyd hasn't shaved, so he still has his fucking five o'clock shadow. He kind of looks like he hasn't been training uh, as hard for this one, and uh, the other guy looks like he's about to get in a fight and he's trying to get fired up. Floyd just like looks like he just woke up and he's about to eat some bacon and eggs for Saturday morning. He looks like he did not, he was not into the fight at all. He's like, all right, I'm gonna collect my fucking check, I'm gonna kick this motherfucker's ass, and I'm gonna get out of here and go uh, go get some brunch or something. <laughs> like that was the demeanor I got, and I was like, okay, let's see how this fight fucking plays out. So it starts, and then Floyd kind of just comes out, and he's like, all nonchalant. And then the the Asian guy is just like, (laughs) and he's like getting all into it. And I think Floyd was just toying with him the whole fucking time because round one, um, Floyd just kind of just like sat back and let this guy throw his punches, didn't really land anything. And then round two starts, I think the Chinese guy pissed off Floyd because Floyd, again, looks like he's not taking this fight seriously at all. Floyd literally looks like the, if you can imagine painting the fucking movie scenario of like this man who's on top of the world, nobody can beat him in a fight. He's the best fighter in the world. And he's just kind of just like Hancock in jail from that movie Hancock with Will Smith, where it's like all the prisoners gang up on them on him. And then he fucking takes the guy's head and shoves it up his ass or whatever. If you remember that scene, um, 
So uh, that's what Floyd reminded me of, his demeanor. And uh, uh, so anyways, I think the second round, this guy actually almost lands a shot and it pisses Floyd off enough to where he's like, okay, fine, I'll start hitting you hard. And so Floyd goes, pa, pa. And like one or two combos in, the kid trips and falls down and he looks like he's scared shitless. And I'm like, yo, it's not like he knocked him out. He just fell down. Like the kid just got overwhelmed from this random combo that he got hit with that he had not gotten at all in and the first round. he just like froze or just didn't know what to do. He didn't know what to do. He's like, oh shit, maybe I'm in over my head, you know? And uh, before the end of the round, he ends up falling down two more times. And I don't think he got knocked out, but obviously some of the shots rocked him. And they call the fight because I think it's the three knockdown rule. And the kid starts sitting there. And he's sitting there on the on the on the mat, and he's bawling his fucking eyes out, bawling. And I'm not talking about like a tear falls down and he's trying to contain like his masculinity. No, man. Like this is this is like a three year old just got his toy jacked by his next door neighbor. You know what I'm saying? Like Damn. he's just sitting there and his face is red. He's bawling. He brought shame to his entire family. His pride is just gone like that. And Floyd's like, all right, we still, we still have time to make fucking brunch. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's crazy. And the, uh, definitely like, man, it's just crazy to see in the fight was in Japan. Yeah, I think I, so. Yeah, oh, you I looked, looked it up? up? Yeah, I looked it up and it was in Japan. But it, like in my head, like I, I just see it from like an anime perspective of just like that's the point. Like this kid is like overanalyzing, like I'm gonna do this, he's gonna Floyd's gonna come here. And in his head he was like already winning the match. But then just like Floyd just flips the switch and it's just like, Oh, you're in it now. Yeah. And then the kid is just like that point in anime just like Nani. <laughs> like what the fuck is going on? And then just Yeah. It's over. Dude, those animes are fucking crazy though. Uh I've been watching a couple of them. Yeah, I've never really been an anime fan, like an anime fan. I've just been more whatever. There's only been like very few. Probably like I watch episodes of anime rather than like full on seasons. Yeah. What about you? Do you, do you get into? I've been getting into the Netflix like adaptations of these Chinese animes that are like real people. Um, so one of them that comes to mind, obviously Death Note, the movie was really good. Oh, okay. Have you seen the anime? I haven't. I've only seen like one or two episodes of the anime. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen an anime, but did you see the movie? Yeah, yeah. Apparently, the movie follows it pretty pretty closely, which is dope. There's another one that I watched, which is really good. I forget the name of it. I'm pretty sure it's like Animal Kingdom or Animal Something. But if you look, at, if you find it on on Netflix, it's about uh, a, basically a life and death rock paper scissors tournament, and it also is about and the main character is this guy who's like Chinese or Japanese, and he has a alter ego of a killer clown that fights monsters so it's a random movie where it's a guy who he go he he's like imagines his enemies or his bullies turning into a monster and then in his head he turns into a killer clown version of himself and just beats the fuck out of these monsters and then you snap back to reality and it's real and then that person gets put into this fucking ship in the middle of nowhere where there are no laws because you're on a ship in the middle of the ocean where there's no countries. And, uh, it's a, it's like a life or death, um, rock, paper, scissors tournament. And if you win, then all your debts are paid off. Like you're only on this ship. If you want to gamble to pay off your debts, if you can't pay off your debts. Oh, okay. So they're willingly go on the, in the tournament. Some of them, but I think this kid was by force. 
Oh. in the movie but a lot of these people are willingly there and some of these people have been there multiple times so then he runs into these different characters who are experienced in the game who have who knows the ins and outs and then you start teaming up with other people and i think the one thing you mentioned when we were talking about it before is like the intricacy of the details in in, in the game right because i remember i was like not i was struggling to follow it because it's like it's a rock, paper, scissors tournament, but you get five rocks, five papers, and five scissors, and, everybody, and there's only a finite number of plays that you can have, and so you play the odds of, like, what what card do I believe this person has the most of and is most likely to play? Mm, so it comes down to the numbers, the number yeah. crunching yeah. up in the head. And so then they take all these fucking cards and they show you visual diagrams of all the fucking odds. And I'm like, yo, only in a fucking Chinese. Yeah. You know? Honestly, I've been kind of fucking with what they've been on Netflix. I feel like there's been a lot more like Asian like films. Yeah. And I've it's weird. I've, I've honestly kind of fucked with them. I'm like, huh, I'm surprised I'm this into it. I never really saw myself. I think you got me into it because uh, like that one uh, Parasite is one that's on Hulu. Yeah. Parasite's the yeah and it won like all these awards i mean that one blew my mind just just seeing the difference and i think the difference in the culture and kind of just how people respond to different scenarios fascinates me to where it's like i really don't know what's coming next because i don't know how this person's going to respond because they're in a different whole culture you know yeah and i feel like they're doing a lot of those uh a lot of those movies like the rock paper scissors that uh was it alice in borderland yeah that was a good one too yeah where it's kind of like same idea of a game yeah and then and there's cards involved <laughs> and then that, they love their cards you yeah, know there's one there's a movie i haven't seen it but i definitely want to it's called as the gods will and it's it's essentially just taking that concept of Alice in Borderland of having different games, but it's like a bunch of uh, students. And essentially, like, it's this this funny-looking... One of the first tests is this funny-looking, like... Um, you see those Russian dolls that you could just kind of, like, keep pulling pulling out, and, like, they're yeah. smaller and smaller. Uh -huh. It's kind of like one big one of those, and it's, like, this guy's face. And it's green light and red light. So, essentially, when his back is face, And he could just only wobble because he's, like, one of those dolls. And so he turns facing the whiteboard... And they, the kids, the, the whole point is they have to push a button in the back of his head. But if he turns and you're moving, your head explodes. And it's like a bunch of kids just trying to trying to get the ultimate button. And then the crazy part was like the ultimate caveat is like at the end, there's two kids and they both help each other win. But there could only be one winner. So the person who pushed the button wins and the his friend just just Dang. like that. What, what was that one called? As the Gods Will. And that's on Netflix too? I don't know. If, I, I don't think it's on Netflix. I think you have to rent that one, but uh, that one looks pretty interesting. Okay, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, you, you're you're. I feel like the one who tells me about all the new Asian movies or shows <laughs> to watch. <laughs> yeah, I I just kind of find them through through YouTube. Yeah, yeah, just watching people review them. Interesting. Well, what else have we not have we not covered since our last podcast? Did we cover just like the whole? Oh well, they finally revealed who uh, Jake Paul's fighting, right? Yeah, dude. I have no idea who it, who that is. So this guy got knocked out in like four seconds. It was the fastest knockout in UFC history, um, to my knowledge. Oh, like he himself was the one who got knocked out, or yeah. he did the knocking out. Yeah. So I think a lot of people, like Brian, for example, uh, who's been on the podcast before, is really into UFC. And I asked him right when they announced it. I was like, "Yo, who's what? What's your take on this?" He goes, "Well, it's the best fight that Jake Paul could have hoped for because." This guy is terrible at striking, you know, so if he's in, in the UFC, apparently he's really good at submissions, judo grappling. and wrestling and grappling and things uh. like that. All things that you can't use in boxing. And apparently he's 
also known as one of, if not the worst, strikers in the UFC. Why do you think they keep, like, putting him up against, like, I don't know. Like, I do believe that Jake Paul has, like, potential. And I do think, like, if he's serious about, like, you know, becoming a boxer, like, I definitely see him grown into it. But, like, why put him in such, I don't know, like, these matches that are just not. I feel like they still keep him at that underdog level. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like that's a good question because if you think about it from multiple angles, right? Jake Paul's an interesting position because he's underestimated because he's made so much noise in media as the YouTube kid, the fucking, the the annoying guy from YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. Not saying that I think he's annoying. I actually uh, respect a lot of what Jake Paul does. I have his audio book and I've listened to it multiple times a couple years ago and I really think it's a great one. It's uh. I think I actually recommend anybody check it out because you'll you'll gain respect for the fucking work that Jake Paul puts into everything he does. It's called You've Got to Want It, which is a fitting title. Right. And um, he's in an interesting position because you could say, uh, well, I would say uh, on one hand, most people probably aren't taking him seriously as a fighter yet, because who has he fought that would say I should take this guy seriously? Nate Robinson never, never fought anyone in his life. He's a retired athlete so he's not even in his prime and he never sparred anybody is what they're saying in training the whole training camp he didn't spar one person you know yeah and then like you can see it from the videos like you never saw him like go up against anyone it was more motivational like rocky style like yeah doing the the exercises yeah i actually did see in one of nate robinson's youtube videos that he did spar a guy who was like that runs a boxing gym and apparently got his ass beat by that guy but Outside of that, it didn't seem like he was sparring a lot. And I think that was just one or two times, you know. So, But Jake Paul is sparring professionals pretty much daily is what it seems like. Um, so he's in an interesting position because he's new to the boxing uh, arena. But at the same time, he has such a big following that he, someone like Jake Paul, if he really wanted to get into boxing, he couldn't do what someone like a Ryan Garcia did necessarily like Ryan Garcia for example and and any of these like mainstream boxers that they are boxers and they're getting into their prime and they're getting these big name fights or whatever these guys started in amateurs they had I don't know 50 60 fights amateur fights and then they become pro and now they Mm -hmm. fucking work their way way up through the pros and maybe 15 20 fights in is when they start getting really good matchups but by that point, now you're thinking of what's a good fight for pay-per-view wise. What is what are people going to want to watch? Now here's the thing. Jake Paul, if he wanted to get respect from these fighters, you would think he would have to go the old school route and kind of fight a bunch of like low-level pro fighters and work, work his way his up. Way. But at the same time, what, why would Jake Paul be incentivized to do that? Um, when he brings so much marketing and, and just people who want to see him fight to the table, right? So it's like, who would be a good matchup for Jake Paul so where people would actually respect him, but also would bring the same uh, level of just exposure to where Jake Paul's not putting this no name uh, on the map just because Jake Paul fought him, you know? Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think at some level, like, I don't know. I feel like everyone is kind of on the same train as far as like, why are they like putting up up against these? No, I don't want to say no names, but against these people that obviously don't have like that, that experience in boxing. Right. They're like from outside, which at this point, it's just a little bit frustrating, at least for me personally, just because like either like make it someone that they want to see like Jake Paul versus KSI. Is that? Yeah, that's when, I, I, I feel like that would be a great fight for the purposes of what we're talking about. Like yeah. realistically, who would be a good fight that would make sense as far as 
uh, what kind of marketing and exposure they bring to the fight, but also has a little bit of experience to where people could start taking this guy seriously. Uh, you think about it, last time Logan Paul fought KSI, and who's his next matchup? Floyd Mayweather. So KSI might be the fucking answer here. If KSI got off his fucking ass and fought Jake Paul, maybe that's would help Jake Paul get the exposure he needs. Um, I'm also curious as far as like, oh, sorry to cut you off, but yeah. like, I'm also curious as far as like, maybe is it his, his approach that he's taking it? Like, maybe you're just trying to get like, trying so hard and it's kind of like turning, turning those, those people that potentially would fight him like, eh, you yeah. know, like Conor McGregor. I, I don't know. Uh, I've seen a lot of just kind of talk and debate about this topic too. Uh, if you think about it, the way last the last fight with Conor McGregor turned out, um, he maybe got like five mil, um, and then after pay per views, maybe like twenty mil after that. But he turned down fifty mil guaranteed. You know, plus that doesn't even inca- include the back end pay per views on that. Or what they would be getting, and to fight someone like Jake Paul, I think that would have been a great fight uh, in retrospect. But um, now it's like, is that even a hype upable fight? After Conor McGregor lost the way he did just so recently, you know, because he did. I mean, I feel like it's a good. Nah, nah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, like Conor before he went into that fight would have been a perfect. Yeah, yeah, but I, I mean, I don't know. I, at the end of the day, I don't think it's bad from a marketing and business and just uh, promotional perspective on Jake Paul's part that he's fighting someone like Ben Askren. But at the same time, Ben Askren, and I and I say that because Ben Askren is uh, a veteran UFC fighter. He obviously, it, it, like the general public watching in, isn't going to have the same visceral reaction to seeing Ben Askren get knocked out as we did seeing Nate Robinson knocked out. Because it's almost like even if you wanted Jake Paul to win, uh, and, and you can let me know if you felt the same way, but it seems like the fact that he got knocked out in the way he did, it almost made people feel really bad bad in a sense for that and it's like damn man why do you yeah, <laughs> why did that I have mean, to happen you know I, I i'm in the boat of just like i guess they made people feel so bad that they just have to keep fucking you know bagging on nate robinson yeah i don't know he's still getting it man and he didn't you say like he posted something about like not even related to the fight yeah and people just like months later they're still Dude, I started following him on Instagram before the fight, um, which I don't even know why I wasn't following him anyways. I try to keep how how many people I follow to a minimum. That way I'm not getting overstimulated every time I fucking log on. Uh, but I, I follow Nate Robinson now, and every post ever since then, first off, he stopped posting for a solid couple weeks. After that. Yeah, but then every post, it's just like he's trying to move on with his life, but every comment is like, oh, man, you finally woke up. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. So I think I think just the simple fact that this is a fighter helps him get a better fighter next time. Now, will it be a, a jump up to Floyd Mayweather? I doubt it. Will it be a jump up to Conor McGregor? I doubt it. But if he can knock out this guy or even beat him, no matter how he beats him, now you can't deny that Jake Paul is on a, an elite fighter level because this guy has faced off against elite fighters, even elite strikers in the UFC. Yeah, I guess I was I, I was commenting more from like a general like what type of fight I want to see mm. versus that mentality, the, the business side. I, I'll be honest, I think Jake Paul's taking the wrong mentality to this fight. Now, you here's the thing: so? I got to preface this because I said the I said he might lose to Nate Robinson. I've I've since wise wisened up, and I'll be honest in my gut, 
I knew Jake Paul was going to fucking. But you just took the opposition. Yeah, I like to be the devil's avocado, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, but Jake, all right, so Ben Askren, one of, the, one of the things he's most known for is getting knocked out in four seconds against uh, Jorge Masvidal. Jorge Masvidal, you know, when they say, all right, go, and then they ring the bell, what happened was Ben started coming in the middle, and Jorge Masvidal ran and did a flying knee to his neck and knocked him out. Holy shit. And four seconds into the fight, he's he's out. Nate Robinson out. And so uh, Jake Paul is posting this video everywhere, and he's like, my goal, and he's saying this, I'm going to knock him out faster than Jorge Masvidal knocked him out. And so then Jake Paul went and trained with Jorge Masvidal like yesterday or the day before, and they've been practicing um, a fucking fake-out move to just run at him right when the bell rings. And so, obviously, they, they're not going to do a flying knee to the neck, but uh, he's been doing like this, I'm going to run at you, I'm going to go, bah! and he's been practicing that, and I don't think that's a good strategy. I'm just, I'm being honest, because if you're going for the knockout punch in the first three seconds, what happens when your knockout punch misses, or it doesn't knock him out in the first three seconds? Or he's wise enough to understand that you're going to be coming at him with that knockout punch. Exactly. You know, so now he can prepare for that. Uh, but at the same time, I think Jake Paul's also proven his ability to just box. But here's what he hasn't proven. And despite what you want to say about the Nate Robinson fight, he still has never been in a fight that's gone past two or three rounds. Period. I think the first round, was it a Nissan Gibb or whatever? First off, this motherfucker's not a boxer either. So Jake Paul's literally never fought a fighter on a, on a level like this. He's fought... That a Nissan Gib who just looks like a short big nose, like and I, I have a big nose too, so who am I to say? But a short big nose, no name. And then you get uh uh KSI's little brother, Deji. Deji, which uh, I'll be honest, Deji did better than Nate Robinson and fucking Gib. And then Nate Robinson, who's never fought or even sparred in his fucking life, gets knocked the fuck out, right? So I want to see a real fighter going th there with him. But also it's kind of disappointing because Okay, Ben Askren, he's faced off a good, against good strikers, but I want to see Jake Paul go off someone who's an actual striker, not someone who's a fucking grappler, you know? And that's what I'm saying. It's just like, not, I don't think it's the fight that I personally, like, I'll still watch it, but, you know, at the end of the day, like, I want to see him, like, go up. Because I, I, deep down, like, I know he's he's better, you know? Like, I want to see real a real challenge in front of Jake Paul. Yeah. Yeah, who do you think would be a good fight off of? Uh, off the top of my head, I don't know any, like, boxers or like strikers like that yeah. so i wouldn't be able i'll be honest man now that we're on the fucking topic why not jorge masvidal bro this guy's like one of the top fighters in the ufc right now and he's obviously good at all the different things it's all called around. mixed martial arts for a reason but he's also a good striker i would say and so what better fight for jake paul if you want to put him against a striker that's not a boxer then someone like Masvidal. Why wouldn't Masvidal take that? Even though they are kind of friends or they're training together right now. How did that? How did this fight even come to be? Like, why did they? Who, what, who's Jake Paul <clears throat> going up against? Um. So Jake Paul, he's going against Ben Askren, and I ben think Askren. Ben Askren. I saw a clip. Ben Askren was on his podcast talking about like, um, how he thinks Dylan Dennis, uh, who's also a UFC guy who is more of a wrestler, was legitimately afraid of Jake Paul, and maybe he and. So that tells me a couple things. One, uh, uh, Ben Askren was not at the top of the list for who Jake Paul wanted to fight. I think Dylan Danis was definitely towards the top. Connor, Dylan Danis, and a couple of others. Um, but Ben Askren, who now officially is on the fight card against Jake Paul, was saying on his podcast pre him getting the fight, 
I think Dylan Dennis is actually afraid of Jake Paul. And so maybe that says uh, a little bit about Ben Askren and his confidence as far as being able to go in there with a striker uh, or just uh, do boxing against someone like Jake Paul with that experience level. But at the same time, man, like, I don't know. <laughs> maybe Ben Askren, maybe people are just underestimating him because of the way he was knocked out by Masvidal, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess now he knows how to take a knockout. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's like best case scenario. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I am about ready to go lay down because I'm getting chills and I'm breaking out in a sweat. So hopefully you enjoyed this raw dating or not raw dating advice. Hopefully you, hopefully you enjoyed this R&R with Raw and Relentless on your wonderful Saturday. And we will see you guys next Saturday. Make sure you're subscribed so you can stick around for uh, literally we got the number one person who has not only directed most of the documentaries, but also has like is in charge of a lot of the things around the Phoenix Lights. Um, this person who was a, a medical doctor kind of stepped into this role. She is coming on the podcast on the 20 was it 24th anniversary yeah, the 24th. 24th anniversary of the Phoenix Lights, which is coming up soon. We also have another person who's a uh, 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 not necessarily a UFO expert, but a portal, researcher's portal events, but also researches paranormal um, like Skinwalker Ranch, Blind Frog Ranch, and the Mayans and ancient cultures and civilizations. That is going to be a, a really fun one as well. And then we got a, a bunch of other ones already lined up. Um, and again, like Stacy Wright, she hooked us up. So shout out to Stacy Wright. She, yes. um, she's she been in charge of the MUFON for a while. And so basically after the podcast, we asked her like, hey, do you know of any other guests that would be great to come on the, on the show? Um, and she gave us a hell of a lot of good connections. So look forward to that. Make sure you're subscribed. And we will see you guys next Saturday. Peace out. Peace.